Are you a service-based business owner looking to increase profits to fund your lifestyle? Well, this podcast is for you. We bring you inspirational guests sharing actionable tips to solve many of the struggles you face each and every day. And now, over to your host, Paul Higgins. Welcome to the Build, Live, Give podcast. If it's your first time, even a more special welcome to you. And I would love you to subscribe if you enjoy the program and maybe even share it with others. And if you're a regular, thanks for your support. Remember, you can always ask me questions at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash questions. So our guest today was thrown out of the zoo into the jungle. So what do they mean? They mean corporate America in this case. And it took them about five years to really find their feet. And now what they do is help other people, especially now given you know what the world's going through with COVID, help set up their own businesses to be a freelancer, a consultant, basically run their own business to the beat of their own drum. Wouldn't you love to do that if you're not already? Well, you're going to learn lots from this guest. He also talks about how to work, right, especially around energy, how to gain clients, which I know for me was the hardest thing when I left corporate, and also some key habits that you should keep regardless of what sort of business you're actually running. So while now what I'll do is hand you over to Stephen Worley from lifeskillsthatmatter.com. Welcome, Stephen Worley from Life Skills That Matter to the Build, Live, Give podcast. Great to have you on, Stephen. I am so excited to be here. I remember talking to you when we first met, and I was just like, felt like a long-lost friend on the other side of the world. Same, same, same. So I'm excited, as I said. But, you know, not everyone knows you. I know you're very well-known, Stephen, but not everyone knows you. So why don't you just kick off with, you know, when someone approaches you and say, hey, Stephen, what do you do? How do you love to answer that? It's so funny. The tables are turned because I always start my podcast like this. And everybody's like, oh, my God, it's the most dreaded question. <laughs> but now I'm excited about answering that. Once upon a time, I wasn't so excited. But I tell people I'm a solopreneur coach. I help people start a solopreneur type businesses as a coach, freelancer, consultant. Generally, people who probably the sweet spot of the people I help most effectively are people who never thought they would end up working for themselves. And then I show them they have all the capabilities and everything that they need. They give give it a give it the old college try, and it turns out they're like, "Oh my gosh, why didn't I do this sooner?" Yeah, well, look, uh, I had a, a very good friend who I used to work with at Coca Cola. Yesterday, spoke to me, and uh, he's finally took a package after um, trying to last the longest out of all of us. And you know, he said, "Look, you know, I'd love to do what you, you're doing, Paul, but I, but I just I just don't know if I could uh, work that hard." Right, so that was his comment. I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. You know, I'm sure you've heard people say that before. With all your experience, what do you say to people? Is it as hard as everyone thinks working for yourself? I think everybody's on their own journey. I think another one of my big messages is that there's infinite ways to build a business today. You know, there's no longer the one size fits all. Growing up, you thought of an entrepreneur as kind of building a Main Street business. And that looked like a hard work. Like, I don't want to go start in a restaurant. That is like amazing, like those people do, you know? Let's go out and support your local, local restaurants, everyone. And then the kind of the last 20 years, at least in the United States, I think kind of around the world, there's this Silicon Valley view of building a business. Yeah, That's also not for a lot of people. I don't want to be, you know, have a new boss called investors. I want to build a business that is in alignment with my values, my needs, my abilities. So that's what I really kind of hone or guide people toward. 
it's what is it that you want? I have, in fact, can I have a do a shameless plug here, Paul? Yeah, go for it. So I have a lifestyle calculator for free. You can download it at lifeskillsthatmatter.com slash calculator because that's one of the first things I have people do is like, let's settle down here and say like, how much money do you really need to live the life, to do all the different things that you want to do? Because most of us have never done that before. We've been taught to look at salaries and look at them as status symbols, but I'm asking people to reverse engineer it. And when I bring people through that exercise, the majority of them will tell me, oh my gosh, I need so much less money than I thought I did. And that is one of the first things I want to help people understand. And a, the biggest part of building these types of business is starting to understand what is it you want to do? How do you want to express yourself? That's, I always say, working for yourself is one of the most elaborate self-development exercises ever created. Do you feel that way? Totally, totally. Like, um, yeah. And then look, I'm like a self-development junkie, right? I've been doing it since I think I could read. But uh, yeah, look, it's there's nothing like when you finish a day, you look in the mirror and you say, you know, what did I achieve today? You know, it's not, you know, yes, I've got a small team, but ultimately, right, I'm the guy that makes most of the decisions in in my business from a strategy point of view. And, you know, it's up to you. Did you make the right one? Did you make the, the wrong one? So it, you're very raw, very naked in a in a non-visual sense. And yeah, it's, you know, like, like I said, it is hard, but you know, for me, the enjoyment is much greater than the the work, you know? Yeah, I think it's that context of what it what does it mean? I know this is like when people, because I always throw questions back to them and say, well, how do you define hard? How do you find a lot of effort? Personally, again, I think uh, in the US, we have a, in some sectors of our society, we have a workaholic culture. Yes. It's part of the identity. It's almost another status of how many hours I'm working every day, every week, and that sort of thing. Well, most people and find out that your body will rebel against you eventually. Worst case scenario, people end up in the hospital from overwork. So I think you need to define what that is. I'm a big believer on managing your energy, not your time. Because just because you're awake on an average of 16 hours a day does not mean, Paul, or anybody listening to us right now, that every single one of those hours is equal in terms of your available energy. So let me ask you, how many hours a day do you think you have of your sharpest mental focus, your maximum physical energy to do your best work? I would say four hours. It's Yeah, it's like three to five hours. I mean, I was a history major. I've read tons of biographies about philosophers, writers, and politicians, and artists, and about how they worked. And most of them was about four hours a day kind of doing that knowledge work. I've interviewed over 500 solopreneurs. Same thing. Same thing for me. So you start kind of, I guess my underlying philosophy I'm teaching people is we've been taught in terms of work and our economy is how do we constantly beat nature? How do we constantly overcome ourselves? I'm an advocate of learning about your nature, working within that, owning it and saying it's okay. So a lot of times when people, or especially in the last year, when so many people had to work from home for the first time, they really struggled with managing themselves. How do I organize my day? I often bring people through this first exercise. That's the foundation of your work day. It's like understanding what does the sweet spot of four hours happen for you? Like when, when does it happen for you? When, what time of day on average do you feel like you experience that? I call it the peak performance period. Yeah, well, look, for me, because, you know, I live in Australia, most of my clients are in North, North America, sort of my peak is 6am to around 9, that's where I really get majority of my work. But then I've got a, I have a, I meditate for 10 minutes in the middle of every day, sorry, quick, quickly, I 
exercise, then mm-hmm. I eat a nice meal, then I, I meditate, and then I sleep, nap for a half an hour, right? That's my routine in the middle of the day. I have a cold shower on the other side of that, and then that gives me at least another hour of solid work before I start to diminish into the afternoon. Did you hear that, everybody? That's to me, I love. Could you imagine if you, for some reason, Paul, went for a job and you're in an interview and you told them, this is my ideal work day. This is when I need to be productive. Oh, good luck getting that job, right? Yeah. And and this, this is this idea of productivity. Productivity, I want to let y'all know right now, that is a term that works for corporations. That, that is a term that works for organizations. They need to know how to squeeze out every little bit of resource, including you. That's why they want you in their line of sight as much as possible and make sure that you're working for them. When you're an individual human, you don't want to be productive. You want to be effective. Yes. You want to feel balanced. I'm going to admit something to you all to like bring myself and to be really present and to bring the energy that I always love to bring to these amazing kinds of interviews that Paul's doing. I took a nap beforehand. I needed it. I just felt it. I just listened to my body, slept, gave myself a half hour buffer. And now I'm so excited to be here. I would have been in a much different state if I didn't take that nap and pushed it and tried to squeeze more work in. And I think that's really what you, when you start, I think the cool thing of what we're all on the cusp of is really learning about ourselves and realizing there's no one size fits all productivity. Now, at times, I'm sure you've experienced this back to that question, like how hard do you work? Basically, you're asking me, Stephen, there are times where we're like, we're, we're going to be running a new program for, for teenagers this June in the United States. So we're doing a lot of work right now to like get that going. But there are times where I power down, usually in the months of July and December, I kind of have this rhythm to how we run our business. And that's the thing a lot of us don't realize when we look at how everybody else is running their business and we want to build our business for the first time. And we've been taught how to work for somebody else, but we haven't figured out yet how to work for ourselves. We default to what other people are doing and we hear all about hustling and how much you have to work, that sort of thing. Again, most of those people have to go pay back their investors. Yeah. But you can just, I don't, again, believe in hustling. I mean, it's just, it's finding, again, the pace that you want in alignment with how much money you want to make. And when you bake in hustle into your startup, into whatever business that you're starting, it's really hard to pull that out. You're going to always be addicted to having to work that way to make your business model work. But at the beginning, if you can give a little space to yourself, three to six months, start experimenting with different ways of working, then you can really start designing a business model that works for you. Spot on. Like how many people did you see in, in you know, for me in my corporate life that were incredibly busy, right? So they were always <laughs> doing things, but they never really achieved anything. And strategy is about choice, right? Strategy is picking the right things to do at the right time, and then you don't have to be busy, right? And I think that's one of the hardest things i found with moving from, you know, a a director at a corporate level into my own business was, you know, that guilt of not working all the time, right? So if you've got some tips or some techniques on how you can get over that guilt of, you know, I'm used to someone watching me for 18 years over my shoulder. I'm used to like feeling like I've got to work 80 hours a week or whatever. And all of a sudden, you know what, I've got a, a free slate, but it's very hard to, to make that transition. What are some tips there? 
Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I faced that. It took me several years. I felt like I had to be at my desk by nine in the morning or went to a coffee shop, whatever, and had to work until five. I mean, I just, that's what you're supposed to do, right? You know, so you use the word supposed to. But what was happening, I was getting like the work that needed to get done, done pretty quickly a lot of times in two to four hours. And then there was like a couple times in the summer, I'm like, I'm going to take the afternoon off because it's a really nice day. I got all my work done. And that's when it started to click in. It's like, oh, I have a really cool reward mechanism here. If I get all my work done well and what needs to get done, I can go do something else that I would like to do that really fuels me and keeps me more balanced and more excited and more energetic. So I think the other thought I would like to place in folks' head as a mantra that I tell everyone, the one one of the mantras that I, if anybody, if you remember one thing from this, from this interview, it's this. You could wake up every morning just as an experiment for the next week and say, I'm going to stop asking for permission. Now, I'm not inviting you to be a jerk and just like do whatever the hell you want at the expense of other people. What I'm asking you is to recognize how many times, how many little decisions in your life where you are worried about what other people think what other people will do, or you're worried about that they're going to judge you. You feel guilty about not working because you feel like other people are going to do it. And it's going to happen. I, I, let me tell you, I bore the brunt of this. I was doing this before it was like a thing, before there were terms like solopreneur and digital marketing or even podcasts. So it is, it's tough, especially when you are work with your loved ones, your close family members who are still deeply entrenched in the conventional work system they look at you as what the heck are you doing? And why, why do you think you can do this? I just want to remind people they do that because it's all they know. What The way that Paul's working, I'm working, and maybe you're thinking about working or already working, it's unfamiliar to people. Give your loved ones a break, communicate with them, let them know that you're okay. And you're not asking them for money. Yeah. Yeah. And look, and I was very lucky in a way because I had a condition and I had failing kidneys that, you know, I just couldn't work long hours like it, it was impossible my what happens is the toxins don't leave your body and they sit mainly in your brain so it's like you know having a hangover no sleep for 48 hours that's what i felt like every minute i was awake and therefore i had to be absolutely precise when i was focused and you talked about energy so it was a great lesson for me because it i was forced to do it right so i know it's harder for some of you watching or listening now because you don't have those forced constraints. But one thing that really changed my world was just working in 30-minute blocks, right? So mm -hmm. I just set one task, put my, you know, I better not say it because uh, everyone knows what, if I've got an iPhone, right? So you all know what I'm about to say. 30 minutes and that's it, work on one task. And I've kept that to today, but I also time it, right? So what I do is, you know, for me, it's, I've got two key things. So one is I have an app called Done, D-O-N-E, and it just is like streaks, you know, so I've got streaks on the most important things in my life, so that sort of helps getting those things. So when you don't feel like something, I count five, four, three, two, one, bang, straight into it. And then the other is that I just track all my time where I spend it in those 30-minute blocks, and that's been an absolute game changer for me, but it was I had four circumstances. You know, what are some exercises and habits that people can build, Stephen, based off your experience that can help them get through it if they you know don't have a you know a severe chronic disease like I had. Well I want to point something out to you because I after interviewing so many people I'm always fascinated curious about what what really gets people to want to go off on this path. And it's a crisis. 
generally a health crisis that you experienced or economic crisis like I experienced, or it could be a family crisis, you know, a positive or negative, a new baby or death in the family. What I had then seen, then there were some people who are starting to choose this. They weren't experiencing those things. So it's, I think people are already, our system is starting to stress more and more of us out. Like we're feeling overwhelmed, burned out and anxious, but we, we all quietly think it's our fault. There's something wrong with us. Let me tell you, we all need to start talking about it. And I think the last year we are, we're all starting to talk about it. Like we are overloaded. Like, what are we all doing here? What are we all running around like mad for? Because the universe sent us to our rooms to do some deep thinking. And I think we're going to come out of this as we were talked before started recording, hopefully in a different way. I do something similar to you. I'm a big believer in work sprints. Even in our accelerator program, we will guide people through work sprints or work habits. I'm a big believer in habits and really understanding your habits. Like what are the goals that you have for your life, for your business? And what are the habits? What are the regular activities that you're going to have to do to get to where you want to go. So what you do is you focus on your habits and not the results, yeah. especially when you're in the early days of your business. You and I, we're, I'm, we're in a content creation habit. We're going to got to record our podcast, got to get added, do the show notes. You know, I'm working on trainings. I'm doing outreach, you know, meeting new people. I'm sure you're always doing that. So these are those rhythms that we are building in, into our business. One thing I do, I do about 45 minutes for my work sprints. I listened to the theme song from the television show Lost. Do you remember that television show? Yes. <laughs> I love, I have found, and I think other people have found this too. There's apps like Brain FM where you can listen. And it also on YouTube, there's so many of these music, you know, for positive energy vibes or focus or help you study. So it's usually music that has no words and it supposedly is aligning somehow with your brain waves. It really does kind of keep more distractions, more of the chatter out of my brain so I can focus on, on what I, I have to get done. And when the alarm goes off, I'm always like, wow, I kind of come up from where I am. I was just so lost into it. And I'll just add, finally, I don't know if you've experienced this, but having that alarm, it prevents me from, I even took the time off my laptop because I don't want to constantly look at the what time it is. It just liberates me from that just to give me the freedom to just get into the work that I want to do and not worry about like, what else I have to do the rest of the day? Spot on, spot on. And, and it's funny, one of the ones that I use sometimes is airplane music, right? That that soft <laughs> humming noise because yeah. as a, you know, when I was in corporate, I used to fly a hell of a lot. And even when I ran my outsourcing business, I used to fly quite a lot to the Philippines. And, and, and you know, that was in some times when I was most productive. I know some people that actually write a book by just flying, you know, a 20-hour flight. Somewhere. I used to love going on planes because it was like the last place where nobody was on their phone. Right. There was yeah. It was so quiet. I think everybody was like, uh, I know it sounds crazy because we always think about how horrible air travel has become, but there was also something really liberating about like sitting into your airplane seat and be like, ah, no distractions. Yes. Yes. So how do you create that? Now, the other thing I know is on your profile, I know we've talked about it before this podcast, that you're a minimalist, right? Mm -hmm. What what does that mean to you? How does that you know play in your life? I remember my mother saying to me, maybe as a teenager, she said, you are like a monk. I'm just hardwired for simplicity. So generally, human beings love complexity. We love to overcomplicate things. I probably still do that to a certain extent. I'm a you know, recovering overthinker. 
But one of my core values, one of the core ways that I move through life is my simplicity radar. Like the second a bunch of friends could be talking about going out to dinner and throwing lots of options, it's like beep, 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 beep. It's like, hold on a second. We're, we're, we're overcomplicating things. So I bring that into my business. I love that I have this because it just, and I know, and I invite everybody to, we're not always taught to like, feel our feelings, especially men. And this is a really crucial aspect of yourself, especially when you're working with yourself, because your inner voice has a real different opinion about what you should be doing compared to your conscious mind. Your conscious mind is always worried about what everybody else is going to think. So you got to kind of like feel your gut, your heart, whatever. If you're starting to feel a resistance, you're starting to feel unmotivated, don't feel that guilt. Don't feel that shame about not working out without doing. Stop and be like, why am I feeling this way? Do I need a break? Do I just not like doing this work right now? And oh my gosh, I'm working for myself. So if I don't like doing this work. What is it about it that I don't like? How can I change it? And that's that other mechanism. It's not, not that everything's rainbows and unicorns every day. You know that, but good gosh, if I'm going to be working for myself, I want most of it to be like, I'm excited about it. I'm curious about it. Or even sometime, dare I say, it's fun. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, for me, the other key pressure, and I know we're going to get into the other sections of the podcast in a moment, but the other key pressure is, you know, that, you know, to prove to yourself, prove to others that, you know, you've made this leap and it's, you know, it's the right decision, right? So in IE, you know, some tips around how do you get those first clients, right? Because ultimately, mm. you know, clients is what keeps this dream alive, right? So any, you know, quick tips on ways that people can land those first few clients? The first thing I tell for you, if you can, now starting a business is not easy, but I'm going to give you the simplest way to start one. Focus on what you already have, your resources. So you got to take an inventory of all of your resources. So what are your skills? What are you already good at? Try to build a business or find a problem around that. So a lot of you can probably take your profession and turn it into a consulting job or a freelance job or a coaching opportunity. That's, that's something. And then do it for people that you already know or you already understand, or you're part of that community. So my last business, I learned a ton about digital marketing. I was, I was my, I came out of the television news world in the United States, so I knew a lot about creating content. Up to my skills by learning a lot about digital marketing in the late '90s, and then I ended up building a business helping broadcasters, radio and television stations, how to use digital tools. So I call that the niche tribe model of like kind of focusing on a small group of people, doing something that you already know you're good at for people that you already know, they start referring you around so that clients start coming to you. But a very tactical recommendation is something everybody over always overlooks because again, our brain overcomplicates things, Paul. I tell people, make a list of everyone you already know. Scan your phone, scan your email, scan your social media profile. And the only other caveat I would offer is as you're scanning these contacts and these connections, only put people on the list that you're like really excited about or you really think that they're going to be able to help you, that they're going to get what you're doing, they're going to support you, or they might know people who could help you. And because people are going to want to feel that connection over energy. Do not reach out to people just for the sake of reaching out to people. I know you're working back at a corporation, your sales, I was done sales. You got to like reach out to everybody because corporations got to gobble up every freaking resource in the world to like gain their profit. But when you're just an individual, you don't have to do that. 
just focus on the people that really excite you and the people that are excited by you. Yeah, look, that's that's such great advice. And I think, you know, I've got about six or seven people that really gave me my first year, right? They were really good friends that were still in corporate. They gave me a, a bit of a, you know, a, a head start and that made a massive difference to build. To be honest, it, it really, A, it gives you experience in what you're doing. That's really important. But B, it actually gives you belief that you can do it. And I think that belief that you can do it is really then the snowball that catapults everything. But look, Stephen, I could talk to you, you know, for so long on this topic, but I am respectful of everyone watching and listening because I know they've got stuff to do with what you've already said. But remember, we're listening to Stephen Worley from Life Skills That Matter. And before we go into the live section, I'd like to ask you a simple question. Have you got a sales machine that will help you get one to three high-paying clients a month if you're not 100 sure about that let me help you i've got a a pulse check and it has nine questions to Stephen's point they're the nine simple questions that you really should ask yourself you can do that in about three minutes and then if you've absolutely got everything covered you get the opportunity like Stephen has to come on the podcast and let everyone know your secrets so others can be successful like you and if not we can have a call and we can work out a plan not a sales call a plan to work through so you can go to paul higginsmentoring.com forward slash pulse to get that so the next is the live section and we sort of covered this already around daily habits that make you successful but is there any that we've missed Steve? i think a lot of it is really it's it's difficult it's so challenging it's it's you know what this is the analogy i always use I tell people that for some reason, I got kicked out of the zoo a long time ago. And in the early days of hanging out in the jungle, it was frightening and it sucked because the food just came to my cage all the time. And I had friends and everything was just designed and built. And I just had to look good for the people who came along in the zoo every, every day. I just did my thing. And then they threw me out into the jungle and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to like, how do I survive every day? And I, you know, it was very tense. But I tell people now, we have a lot of awesome communities out here in the jungle. And when you do get out of the zoo, it's it, your brain. It, this is the funny thing about our brains, even though like right now you might be like, Steve, I am. I know what you're talking about. I feel like my job is a prison and blah, blah, blah. But your brain loves familiarity so much. It loves certainty so much. It's obsessed with it. It would prefer if it had its choice, to keep you in that prison, to keep you in that job. It does not like risk. It does not like uncertainty. So that's where we have to really do a lot of that journaling to bring us out of that. So for me now, it's a big part of my days is making sure that I take care of my body, not just my mind and not just worrying about money. So I do walk a lot. I work out. I meditate have great conversations with friend. I even bought a coloring book during the pandemic because I just, I'm like, I just need something that's not a screen. I'm a big reader. I love reading before I go to bed. One thing I've been adding, I don't know if you've done this. Have you ever heard of the Wim Hof breathing method? Yes. Have you oh, done I'm, it? I'm cold already because whenever I hear it, <laughs> I just think of freezing, <laughs> freezing water. But, but uh, I, well, I, I've heard of it, I haven't done it. So you don't you don't have to go into the cold weather. You don't have to go outside or anything. So, but it's just this rhythm. Just you can go to YouTube and maybe you can throw a link on your website for it. But just look up the Wim Hof W I M space H O F breathing technique. This this Dutch guy, 
And I do that every morning and it just really does electrify. It makes you feel so clear. So I feel like that's a lot of what I'm doing even now, the work, even after 20 years, I'm learning how my body works and how to maximize that more. I am not somebody who likes to like get into supplements and do all these crazy diets. Again, I like to keep things simple. So that's that's a big part of what I, I try to do. Brilliant. Well, the next section is the give section. So what's a charity or community that you're passionate about and why? What I always keep top of mind nowadays, even before everything that's been going on, I really enjoy supporting anything to do with girls' education, women's entrepreneurship opportunities. In fact, just by accident, I, sometimes I love how you can put out that vibe to the world. The Accelerator, we run a 30-day intensive accelerator to help you start your solopreneur business twice a year. So in October, November of this year, we had our first all-women accelerator, just, just the way it happened. It, it wasn't that we were even trying. And so that stuff like that really excites me. Now, dudes out there, let me tell you, I like, I love working with you too. But, you know, I also just, you know, I'm somebody who's been given a lot of advantage in life and I want to like share that advantage. And there's just way too many people who don't have access to what you and I have. Like, let's, let's be honest with ourselves, Paul. Like it, it was a little bit easier for you and I to start our own businesses than so many people out there. So, you know, yeah, women and, and girls education, that's what I'm trying to keep top of mind. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, I have a book called Build, Live, Give, and all the proceeds of that go to the purplehouse.org.au. It's a fantastic organisation that supports Indigenous Australians to get access to dialysis. And having been on dialysis in a city where I was very privileged versus being in the middle of rural Australia trying to get that, I think it's a great charity and that's the one that I support. So the last section is the rapid fire section. So I'll ask you some questions, Stephen, and get some rapid fire responses. And what I liken it to is this is not in it. I'll use Australian terms here. It's not a full beer, right? Australians, we love our beer. It's just a <laughs> sip. So just think that the answers are the, the time it takes to have a sip. Of- you all don't sip. I've hung out with your people in your country. I have not seen sipping. <laughs> yeah, look, it's, uh, it's a reputation that unfortunately we uh, deserve. So um, the first question is uh, what tech is essential to running your business? I know everybody's going to like, I'm going to, everybody's going to drop, but spreadsheets, people. They're free, they're flexible. You can use them in every aspect of your business. And then a little secret, most mobile apps start out as a spreadsheet. It's so true, so true. And, and what's your best sales tip? Have an outreach habit. Don't think about sales. Actually, just think about how do you like to meet people? How do you want to go make friends? And whatever your method is, if you don't like social media, cool, don't have to be on social media, but whatever your thing is, Bring attention to it, make it a habit, make sure that you're doing it on a regular basis, that you're enjoying it, you're getting better at it. Great. And the last one, and it's a big one, right, for for this very reason, and that's why I always leave it to the end, but what impact do you want to leave on the world? I, this is a really naive one, Paul, so we're all about honesty on your show. I really believe that people can be paid for just being themselves. I think if we can just stop feeling like we have to be somebody other than ourselves to fit in, to conform, because this is how our economic system set up, I probably want to move on from that and help anybody who is interested. Yeah, I love that. That's uh, it's 
definitely something that uh, I'm, I think it's uh, coming with age for me, but hopefully a lot of people listening to this get to it quicker than uh, certainly what I have. So um, look, you know, you've- I will tell you one thing, you're the sales coach I wish I always had. You're just so darn nice. I'd be like, what are you selling, Paul? But okay. <laughs> yeah, some people have said a bit of a, uh, what do they call it, wolf in sheep's clothing. But, uh, <laughs> but yes, look, I think ultimately, you know, you said it before, right? You leave, you know, your large corporate, you call it the zoo, which I love that analogy. You, you leave that to run your own business. So you might as well do it with people you like, right? And people that you can okay. generally get a great result for, but you enjoy working with. Otherwise, you might as well just go back to the zoo because the, you know, the jungle may not be suited to you or, or vice versa. But look, you've given so much, so much wisdom today, Stephen. There's a couple of resources that you give. Like you said, one was the calculator and that's lifeskillsthatmatter.com forward slash calculator there's also a get started now these links are going to be in the show notes and we also put them in the notes on the app that you're listening to at the moment so you can go and get those straight away and uh yeah Stephen, wonderful you know i really enjoyed hearing you on a podcast that's how i found you in the first instance because you do speak what i think is what the world is moving towards. I think COVID's helped fast track that, but definitely we're moving to a world where you can be you. You can now serve people anywhere in the world with what you're great at and what a wonderful way to live life. So uh, thanks for leading the way on that. And it was great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for just uh, pressing all my passion buttons. I really appreciate it. Can't wait to talk to you again soon. Same. Thanks, Stephen. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. I really enjoyed that episode or that interview with Stephen. I hope you did as well. And the key thing that sort of came out to me is the simplicity. You know, I'm an overthinker and therefore I'm an overcomplicator. So I really love that part. Love to know what you enjoyed. Even send it to Stephen. Take a photo of the podcast and send it to him. I'd love, I'm sure he'd love to know what you thought of it. So he's also got some great resources, which he mentioned. So they'll definitely be in the show notes because we've got them. They're fully transcribed. But just as a reminder, it's lifeskillsthatmatter.com forward slash get started and also the same for calculator. And I also mentioned it there, the sales machine. So if you want to know how to get one to four high-paying clients a month, okay, go and do the pulse check. So that's paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash pulse. Please take action to build, live, and give. Thanks for listening to the Build, Live, Give podcast. If you like what you heard, please share it and leave us a review. It would mean the world to us.